0: Edition of
1: the PA High School Football Report podcast. I'm Dana Benstetter. He's Eric Epler, and we are powered by Penn Live. How's it going, up? It's going good, but it is kind of a sad day. I had the Royal Epler Hot Pepper Garden. uh, Oh no! It produced a ton, tons of burn your chaps peppers this year, but the the chilly weather, the chilly weather recently forced me to sort of yank all the plants out, so all the peppers are now um, on the windowsill. And uh, I'm going to have to either eat them all, give them away, or dry them out. I don't know. I'm not, I'm never good at drying them out basically because I don't really know how to rehydrate them. I know you kind of just put them in water to rehydrate them, but they never quite work out for me that way. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, no more, no more peppers on the plants. That's a sad day for me.
0: Yeah. For you, but like you have to tell people your ghost pepper story.
1: Well, I grew, yeah. I grew I grew I grew ghost peppers this year and what what I call Jamaican hot they're not really called that I think they're called like scotch bonnet Jama- Jamaican scotch bonnets or something but I, I like call them just, I call them just Jamaican hot they're yellow they look like buttons like an, like the old buttons you would wear on like a sports blazer from like the 1960s they're just these <laughs> yellow buttons and they you, you need some time alone after you eat one of those. I put them in a pot of chili, just two, and I had to throw the chili away. <laughs> it was just too
0: hot. Oh, you man.
1: cannot, it's just, it's just, it's ridiculous how hot they are. So I, I have to, you know, one pepper, you have to just cut it up in really small slivers. Otherwise, otherwise you die. So
0: I'm going to do it. I'm just going to say that you were mentioning how hot your mouth was. That is kind of like a flamethrower. And that's what you're, I,
1: working I figured, today. yeah, if I if I keep my <laughs> mouth open. Yeah, if I keep it open for at least for like four or five seconds, my house is gonna go up in flames. I, I know that for absolutely <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. You have
0: your phone nearby just to
1: case. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so we are uh, we're gonna go coming back to the mailbox uh, the mailbag, we're gonna put that down for a week because we had a chance to catch up with PIAA executive director, Dr. Lombardi. And we wanna get right to that because Doc answered a ton of questions about the season, expansion, his work, Christian Park Stadium, and more. We want to welcome in longtime PIAA Executive Director, Dr. Robert Lombardi. Dr. Lombardi, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day to spend with us.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Jana and uh, Ab- hey, Doc, it's, uh,
1: it, it's obviously, you know, I did a little research because I wanted to see how long. Uh, you're closing in on 10 years uh, uh, as Executive Director. I know, obviously, you were under uh, Bradley Cashman as well. Uh, for a number of years. Um, I know a lot has changed in the past <laughs> 10 years, but, uh, at its core, the purpose of the PIAA, uh, has really not changed, but what are some of the things maybe, maybe that are more challenging now, uh, in, cause it seems like everything obviously gets revved up, uh, particularly during the postseason for you guys. So, um, anything else has been more difficult for you in the last, you know, say five, six years?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, when I came here uh, in 1988, if you can imagine that, uh-huh. we're closing in on 33 years here, uh, I think there was a chain of command where if people had a question, whether it be eligibility or whether it be a disqualification, they were accepting of the answer. I think the biggest change I've seen in the last five to ten years is no one will take no for an answer, and it has become very difficult. And the other part of that, we've we've become very litigious, yes. and I, I I don't think that's something that belongs on the competition field. Um, it's it's not only here; it's across the country, and uh, some of the poor behavior, that we've had to change some of our rules to address poor behavior, I think is kind of a sad commentary on where we are. I mean, if we have to put in a second uh, sit-out of a game because someone is using offensive foul language or fighting or punching an opponent, I think we've lost a little bit of our way. So, I think they're the biggest changes.
0: Uh, So, Dr. Halmardi, you and I had an opportunity to chat prior to the fall season. Um, At that time, you were saying that you were hoping the athletes would have as close to normal um, as a season compared to the 2020 um, COVID pandemic response. So uh, compared to last year, what do you think we've learned? Do you think that the circumstances have helped better prepare for this season with all the red tape and all everything that you had to cut through to make sure that the athletes had at least an abbreviated season last year. Do you think we've, we've been prepared for it this year?
2: Oh yes. I think our schools and our officials and our coaches, our athletic administrators and uh, have a uh, uh, booster clubs of so parents really need a shout out and attack, uh, you know, a salute that they've done an outstanding job Because right now we're as close to, and you know, we're what, week eight here Mm -hmm. uh, into the fall season. And most of our other sports, except for football, are closing down on their regular seasons, looking at league and conference playoffs and right around the corner for districts. Mm -hmm. So that's a success story in itself. I think the biggest change has been people have taken this seriously. And with the advent of vaccinations and the support of the FDA uh, that says uh, that they're safe and that CDC is recommending them for student athletes, our, our board has rec- – or not our board, our sport medicine committee made a position statement of people that are vaccine-eligible They should consider getting that. And I am hearing drips and drabs from across the Commonwealth, the unspoken uh, uh, philosophy of some of the parents and their student athletes is I'm going to do what I can to protect my student because I want them to have a season. And one of the ways they can do that is vaccinations. And this is not a political statement at all. This is a health and safety statement that is supported by the medical field. And we did that in the past. We're supportive of it now. That's choice individually. We're okay with that. But I think you'll see, I think what I've heard, a lot of people are stepping out and getting that because it'll help them save their seasons.
1: We are speaking with PIAA Executive Director Dr. Robert Lombardi. And, Doc, really for like the last half decade and maybe even more than that, the PIAA has really um, had this uh, full court press to attract more officials. Uh, I know the creation of the PIWA officials yeah. convention was yours. Um, the pandemic probably didn't help with the recruiting process at all over the last two years. But uh, have you seen some positive gains on that front?
2: Uh, yes, we have. Um, just, I can tell you anecdotally, we were down below... And again, Eric, I go back. When I came in 1988, we had 7,999 sports officials. Wow. We started trying to get more and more and more. And I would say for the last few years, we've averaged pretty darn close to between 13,500 and 14,000 registered officials. This summer in July we dipped below 10,000 for the first time in years. And that was an indication of not only COVID and people retiring because of it, but also background clearances and some of the things that the General Assembly has put in. I'm not being critical of that. That's just the, the, uh, the, the world we live in now. To be on a campus, you have to have the clearances. We're all good with that. What we've seen in the last few months is a spike. So we're back up closer to thirteen thousand again, and it's because people uh, people think that being involved in athletics is a good thing. And you know, you folks cover it all the time, and nobody has seen more athletic events than probably either one of you. But you you also know that. To get somebody to get involved with sports officiating, it's kind of like getting them to go to church. You put your arm around them and you say, hey, you know what? this is a good thing. Why don't you come join our sorority or our fraternity and come to a couple meetings? You know, it's not like an AA meeting, but it is kind (laughs) of like going to church. And you say stuff like, hey, this enjoy this. We're going to meet on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights or Saturday, or not Saturday, but Sunday nights. And we're going to talk about rules and we're going to talk about football or soccer or field hockey. And that I think that's the underlying thing here that's difficult. In sports like soccer, field hockey, wrestling, track and field, swimming and diving. And and even we still have uh, gymnastics going on. You really have to have participated in those sports to officiate them because of the nature of the skills of the contest. Mm-hmm. I think everybody thinks they can do ba- basketball, football, uh, because they all sit on their couch and they know the NFL rules, right. but high school rules are a little different. And, um, you know, baseball, softball, they're a little bit easier to do just from a rules knowledge standpoint than some of the intricacies of the holds in wrestling. You know, the, the type of play in field hockey, uh, the strokes in swimming. So a little give and take, but we're, we're open, man. That's the greatest thing about athletics. We're inclusive. We welcome everybody. We're Ellis Island, man. Come on, (laughs) get involved. It's a great way to keep you involved with young people and keep you young and active. And we would certainly welcome people who join us.
0: Uh, So, staying in the subject, staying on the subject of officials, um, you know, and you know that I am one for field hockey right now. I'm inactive. But there has been a lot of changes, most of them are made for the safety of and protection of our student athletes um, and so going into the decision that was rendered earlier about awarding vaccinated officials the opportunity to uh, officiate during interdistrict state playoff games that drew some backlash from regional and local associations and charters. So walk us through that decision.
2: yeah, well, I, I think it, it, it germinated with our sport medicine. Advisory Committee stipulating and saying, uh, making a position statement that was unanimously accepted by the board that people that are uh, are vaccine eligible should get vaccinated to participate in interscholastic athletics. And that includes athletes, coaches, officials, game managers, athletic personnel. Why I think that's important is this. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a two-pronged thing here for us at interdistrict district games. One, we feel it's in the best interest of the association to provide the most optimal health conditions for the teams to participate in. That we can say, hey, look, we've done our due diligence to make the competition surface and environment as safe as possible so you can compete and have a result. The second piece of that is we want to do whatever we can to ensure that we finish the season, finish the playoffs. That's important for a couple of reasons. One, people want to see you a champion right. and it's imp- important to schools in their community. That's what they play for. The other part for us, it's important for us from an organizational standpoint, because that's our lifeblood. Our championships are what we live on so that those three factors went into that decision and i think they're prudent um and i think they're wise um people don't have to we're not going to throw anybody out if they didn't want to but we want to provide the most optimal health conditions for the competitors the teams and and their followers that we can and i think i believe it's the right thing to do
0: so one real quick follow up to that. Um, both Epp and I talked to a number of officials and um, chairs and some of the officials feel as though, you know, they pay their dues. They're doing all that you had mentioned earlier. They're going to these meetings. Um, you know, they're taking the harsh criticism at times and then also the cheerful joy at other times from, stand, from the stands the involvement of talking with them prior to making this decision, do you feel that it was arbitrary or do you you know, did you do you reach out to them? Do you feel that they should have seen this coming? Um, that the backlash was warranted or unwarranted. They just wanted to know, be in the know that this was coming down the pike, just in case they had health concerns, needed to talk to their doctor, the time frame to have the shot, any mention of that with them, like conversationally?
2: Well, we're only talking about the 10% of all our officials that we consider for postseason. So it's not the rank and file. But we went to the leadership of those officials, our officials' council, which have a male and female representative in each district and discussed it with them, and they unanimously supported it. So uh, we try to follow representative democracy in everything we do, and we did that here. And again, this is only for that percentage that we have in our games. We would hope some people would take it upon themselves because, folks, I'm not making a political statement. I'm just trying to keep people healthy and that I don't negatively impact somebody else's health as well. So that's where that decision came from. And the rank of folly, yeah, maybe, you know, could we have... Put out a a survey or something. I guess you could. But the simple fact is that's not the way our representative democracy has worked. We've run things by not only our board, but in this case, our officials council, and they support it. We thought we did the right thing.
1: Doc, keeping with uh, football, obviously, Jan and I talked a little bit about this topic a few weeks ago. uh, That's kind of been swirling around uh, is the potential use of instant replay. Um, I know some other states, and correct me if I'm wrong, are are testing it out this year. Um, G- New Jersey, I think there's a state out west. I don't know. It might be Arizona. But, um, but has the idea of instant replay been discussed um, internally? Um, you know, even if it's, you know, a, a brief conversation to just kind of get the ball rolling
2: on that. Um, have, yeah, sure. But. We've talked about this for years. As a matter of fact, we use a little bit of it in basketball where we've in the finals only right. that we can make a, this use uh, the Insta replay to look at if a goal is good. Uh, before the clock expired, or whether it's a two or a three. Uh, the biggest uh, hang-up, and this has been talked about for years, even at the National uh, Federation level and their football committee, which is representative of every state. There's a representative of every state on the NFHS football committee. It's the largest rules committee they have. And and it really works quite well. But the, the, the problem becomes... Different than the NFL, where every game has a commercial, well-done production, a broadcast with uh, high-end televisions and all that, we don't necessarily have that in all our contests. We do have a little bit of it in the finals with uh, our statewide contract with PCN, which is very good. And in those situations, for an end-of-game situation, to determine a winner or a loser, or like I illustrated in basketball, maybe that's something we would consider. But to go in and overturn a call to uh, maybe change a mark, uh, that would be very difficult across the state because we don't necessarily have TV at all our games. They're not all televised. That would be the first thing. And as you know, uh, with some of the cameras and huddle even though it's a very good item for grading film and reviewing games, it isn't necessarily in the position that the official has when they're looking at a play. And that, that's the biggest concern because the problem with uh, instant replay is I see it in a snapshot in a second or less, and I have to make a decision, and that decision lasts forever forever. The problem with you get it on replay and you play it over and back and over and back in slow motion and triple slow motion and quadruple slow motion. And, And, you know, you break it down by frame by frame. The official doesn't have that. And I think that would be a flaw in it at our level, just because I think we still need to keep the integrity of the support of the call in real time by amateurs. We're not professionals. In an avocation that's so good for all of us, and and you know, coaches, hey, coaches make mistake. Hey, coach, why are you still in that one-two-one zone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or right. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> that one-three-one zone. My math is bad. Three-one, one-three-one yeah. one zone because the guy in the corner is hitting that jump shot. He's killing you. How about getting out of it? Well, we never have that conversation, yeah, but we yeah. do have the conversation. Yeah, the kid caught the ball in the corner and he stepped on the line. Oh, that goal shouldn't have counted. You know that type of. Thing.
1: Oh yeah. So, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so the financial aspect of it, just real quick, um, I guess the suggestion is that there's a good chunk of schools that already have the software that might be viable, but if not every program, if they don't have it and schools may not be in a financial position to afford it, can it really be considered across the board for every school?
2: Yeah, I I think that's a valid, uh, that's a valid commentary that you have there, Jana. And I'm sure that would be a pushback from the membership immediately. So I think what we've done in basketball might be the best avenue to look at, maybe finals only with a high-end commercial production broadcast. But outside of that, I don't see it
1: happening. Doc, I'm a a proponent of six classifications. I know a lot of people are not (laughs) that I talk to, and I'm sure that you talk to too. But in your opinion, uh, how has the product, sort of become better or has it become better because of the expansion
2: it's wildly successful uh, to your naysayers i'm sorry tell them to get the canoe because uh, you've got to get on board and go down the rapids here's what we're because now what i have heard overwhelmingly is schools are playing against like-sized schools that's the biggest difference and when you only have 95 to 100 in a class or a, a little less than that versus you're playing in a 3A 3A class and you're at the low end of 3A right and you're playing a school at the high end of that or vice versa if it's 4A back in the day breaking it in the 6 and making everyone within maybe a hundred a, a, a collection of 95 schools or so, they're more like in size. And I think our competition's been better. I think it has given more schools the opportunity to compete against like-sized schools and have a chance to grab that brass ring, which they didn't have a chance to in, in the past. And if you look at some of our uh, champions here in the past few years in those sports of basketball and football, you see more diversity. You see more uh schools, and especially I heard uh uh loud and clear from some of our small A schools in rural communities that they felt when we were they were in four classes there was no possible way that they could compete against a Class A school from Philadelphia. just right. not possible. The game is totally different. They played different looking games, but now going the six, it's sort of diluted that somewhat. And uh, we've seen competition to be a little bit keener. And we've had different people, co- different schools come in. And we think it has satisfied uh, our membership and given more people and, uh, an even playing field to compete. And we, we, we think it were, it is wildly successful. As much as the Nays, you know, there is a vocal minority out there. Sure. But the silent majority is carrying the day. All right, we're coming down the home stretch with uh, Dr.
1: Robert Lombardi, executive director of the PIAA. Uh, Jan and I also talk. We talk a lot about football, obviously, but we, we talked about the football championships um, continuing in Hershey. I believe this this year would be the 24th uh, straight year uh, that the championships uh, have been or champions have been crowned at Herschberg Stadium. I, I, obviously, Doc, you and I talked about this before. There are myriad reasons to to keep that relationship with Hershey going. Um, but what would what would a bid package sort of have to look like in order to maybe consider um, moving it away from Hershey?
2: Well, I think there's uh, and and I'd like to, you know, a shout out to the good folks over at Hershey. They've done a yeah. great job hosting our events, but we do have some challenges. And some of the challenges are uh, the locker room facilities are not up to par in my estimation. And they need to be improved. Um, and, and, and that's troubling because, you know, I know it's the final event. And we, not that you're going to spend your, you're not playing the game there, but I think we need to just polish the apple a little bit. Um, as far as location, that helps. But uh, a bid that would uh, catch people's attention is, and we've seen this in other states, uh, we've seen sites in other states say, look, we want you enough that we're going to pay you to come here. Mm. And that grabs people's attention, along with uh, working with the CVB and creating discounted hotel rooms for the schools and their followers. Right. And that's a big deal because that saves schools money. And, and, and let's, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I think the field is the field but the things around the field are important that we try to provide an atmosphere that is worthy of a championship final contest and years ago we were in another place before we moved to Hershey and it was not the people there were outstanding it, we moved not because of the people we moved because we needed a uh, uh, an ending that was more elaborate, so to speak, right to end the season. And there were a whole lot of things that went into that, uh, along with ease of travel, along with uh numbers of hotel rooms that they're all important because we have to satisfy it. Also, you know, you have to look at TV production and the ability for them to get in and out and have the ability to run the contest and size of press box and seating and all those type of things. So it's not just one factor. But I think I mentioned a couple things there that would really go a long way. And, you know, the other places are telling. I know I talked to the uh, guy who's a very good friend from the UIL, which is the Texas Association. They go to Jerry's World. Right. Well, you know, the Cowboys Stadium is a little big for a high school championship but what they have that nobody else has is they have another indoor facility right next to it that they can put the next teams in there to warm up and stretch that's a huge advantage yeah because you can cycle people through and you know how people come in for game they're antsy and they got a lot of build up energy and stuff to get them there and let them get a little workout before they even get to the field. You can cut down that pregame time and keep thinking things rolling. So, you know, maybe somebody would put up a nice dome for us that we could see, you know, 12 or 15,000 with a nice dome and easy access in and parking and all those type of things. But uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I heard, Eric, that, Uh, You or Jana committed that if you won the lottery or the Powerball, (laughs) that you would consider... a cooperative agreement with us if we would name the stadium in your name. And I thought that was admirable. of you.
0: <laughs>
1: I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> we will even let you give the awards. <laughs> well, Doc, uh, we, we really want to thank you, obviously, for weighing in on a lot of topics here that people are talking about. It's always great to sure. hear from you. Go right to the source. That's the best way we do it. But before we go, I got one last One last uh, thing to ask you. I know you're tight with those guys at the National Federation, the rules makers. Can we get the offensive holding as a spot foul? Can we finally dig a hole in the desert and drop that rule and enforcement of that rule in the hole and cover it up? Uh, I've already seen a 24-yard holding penalty and a 25-yard holding penalty
2: in eight weeks. Can Can we get that taken care of? I will share with uh, your input with our statewide rules interpreter who's on the committee to bring that forward. Um, as you know, when you have 51 state associations voting on yes, rules, I know it's That's, tough to twist I, arms.
1: I know I don't have much
2: the Epler rule does not have much of a chance. I get it, I understand. <laughs> But I, Doc, I appreciate that. I'll do the best to carry the
1: meal for you. I appreciate it, Doc. Thank you so much. Yep. Uh, Anytime. Heading in a busy week,
2: we'll see you in a couple weeks. Well, six sure. weeks maybe in that uh, Hershey Park. You you got it. Thanks for the opportunity, and it's good to see both you. Please don't hesitate to call me. Any we appreciate. it. Thanks, Doc. Have a great day. I know.
0: Thanks again to Dr. Lombardi. We know that this is silly season and that you're very busy. So thanks for taking the time to spend with us.
1: I forgot to actually ask Doc. um, I think he owes me a driver still, uh, a golf driver. I'll give you this 30-second story. We were in a scramble together, a four-person scramble, uh, and and it was a a deluge. It was raining so hard at Media Heights outside a golf course outside of Lancaster. This is uh, about 10 years ago. Andy Shea was with us too. He was our ringer. Doc, were, Doc, and I were just kind of along for the ride. But I, anyway, we're on this par three, and it's really long downhill par three, and it was pouring. And for some reason, Doc's like, "Ah, we're okay. Let's just keep playing." And you know, everybody else is running, running for cover. But anyway, closest to the pin, I hit this majestic, whippy bending four iron to about <laughs> four inches. Okay, it's best four iron I've ever heard in my life. And I want to say it was like 260, but it was not. It was about 204. I think that the hole was playing that day. But anyway, uh, I I actually uh, Andy and I had to leave early before the prizes were given out. And we learned later on. I think Doc actually told us that I was closest to the pin on that hole, and the prize was the driver. And that was where the conversation stopped. Like he like he didn't he didn't continue and say, "Oh, ep, I'll get you that. I'll get that to you." He just—I think he just put it in his back, and that was that. There was nothing <laughs> else was said. I felt kind of bad because you know we were there playing with him, and you know it was sort of his gig. So I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't really say anything, but you know, my golf game is such in shambles right now. I might need that the club, so I will have to call. Well, him I
0: mean, yeah, you committed <laughs> to the lottery ticket winning, so I think it's only fair. Well, that's then. true.
1: That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's like a double whammy now. Jeez, that guy always gets me, always gets me. <laughs>
0: uh, back to some um, PA high school football who are you keeping an eye on this week
1: Uh, locally big game um, Altoona four and four at Carlisle five and three this is Friday night 7 p.m. at Ken Milne Stadium the reason this one's a big one Altoona is almost dead even with State College and Williamsport for that all-important one seed in the district six six a postseason uh, that once he gets you a buy into the championship round, so that is huge. If Altoona can bag that for Carlisle, it's real simple. The herd is clinging to the number, <clears throat> excuse me, the number nine spot in District Three Six A. Uh, only eight get into the postseason, so that's you know that's one worse than the threshold. So a win here is really paramount, and they're coming off a big win against State College too. So we'll see if that momentum rolls on against Altoona. Big one, big one for sure. And statewide statewide. I got a couple for you. Thomas Jefferson, a big, big showdown in the Whippeal uh, 5-1 at McKeesport Friday night. McKeesport is 7-1. This is for a number four versus four a number eight. And it's going to go a long way in determining seeding for the upcoming Whippeal postseason. That's important when they all get in a room and they bust out the seeds. So uh so this game is going to matter in that uh, discussion. A lot. Another one is small school football. Winber is perfect, 7-0. and They are at Portage at 6-1. and Portage just fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. Last week, they fell 29-22 to a very good 2A squad in Berlin Brothers Valley. So uh, now comes in unbeaten Winber in what should be one of the best small school battles of the weekend. So those are the two statewide ones I'm really interested in.
0: Sounds good. Sounds like some more exciting, thrilling football, suspenseful endings this Friday, Saturday. Uh, So we appreciate all of our listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us and spending some time with us on Friday mornings or whenever you choose to listen to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Apple, Spotify, Acast, and more. Have a great weekend.